Look at me. Focus. Pull up your note. Ha ha. Funny of you to assume that I have notes. I sent you notes. Okay. I have notes. But I also sent notes that you could also look at. Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Kelly, and this is a Court of Theories podcast, where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. Hi. 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 Long time no see. It's been too long since last episode. Happy second day of Hanukkah. Oh, happy second day Hanukkah. Yep, 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 yep. You know Uh, what? I saw some business post. I can't even think of what it was. Hang on. It's going to come to me. Barnes and Noble had an email this morning and it said, light the menorah. And all I could think of was your Thanksgiving song. (laughs) I literally don't even know the words, but I'll. Yeah. All I could hear was like, light the menorah. Oh, Linda would definitely be all about. She'd be going around. She'd be going, hey, light the menorah. Yeah. I don't know it at all, but. But I read that it. I read the subject line and I heard it sing songy in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that my swim kids, one of them has told me that I am the voice of their conscience. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Another one said that she hears me even whenever I'm not yelling at them while she's swimming. Like uh, sh- I'm like an internal that sounds monologue. like trauma. It is. Uh, <laughs> my trauma is their trauma and their trauma is from me. It's a shared, it's a shared thing. Um, but yeah, so happy Hanukkah light the menorah. Have you, did you ever watch the Goldbergs? No, but I, I know what you're talking about, but I've never seen okay, it. Okay. So Bev, uh, Beverly Goldberg, the mom of the show, you're like standard eighties Jewish mother. Okay wanted Hanukkah for one of the episodes and this is one of those hilarious episodes wanted Hanukkah to reflect how like especially in like decorations of like Christmas so like she went and bought like a ton of like blue tinsel bought a tree and tinseled the tree with blue bought all sorts of blue lights like had this like giant menorah made and had this huge wooden dreidel and like they're (laughs) In their living room. And I think about it all the time. I also think about um, one of the kids that we went to high school with. I think he was a grade younger than us that he got to celebrate Chanukah because his dad was Jewish and his mom was Catholic. Can you imagine? But yeah, happy Hanukkah. Day two. Day two of Hanukkah. Welcome to our summary episode of House of Earth and Blood, chapters 25 through 48. We got a lot to pack in. So last chunk, one through 24, um, was just a filler episode. (laughs) No, it laid the land. Mm -hmm. It laid the land for us. So we pick up where we left off in chapter 25. Chapter 25, verse 1 of (laughs) House of Earth and Blood. Um, I knew he'd fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) He sure did. So... This is whenever Bryce is going into the White Raven. And then, of course, Hunt follows her in there. But she's going in there to see Juniper. Supposed to be having a girl's night. This is also the part where Hunt realizes that she's not actually drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and then that was really just kind of a big like dick slap for him because then he also realizes that maybe she's not quite the vapid party girl that I thought she was. Obviously, him making assumptions in the direct way that he does really just pissed Bryce off. She was already super pissed and then she was just even more pissed. She was the most pissed because he tried to order food for her. And immediately my brain was like, oh, mates trying to feed each other. So then she gets mad. She leaves. And then Juniper follows her. And then the club explodes. And we kind of end chapter 25 like that. Chapter 25 wasn't super long. There wasn't a whole lot, but just hunt finding out that she doesn't drink. And then the club exploding. Chapter 26, a bomb obviously went off in the club. Bryce jumps to protect or like covers Juniper with her own body. And then once it, everything they can stand up. And after the blast, Juniper fucking hauls off and hits her. Uh, slaps her because she's shouting because Juniper had made the drop and Bryce hasn't. And Juniper was pissed that Bryce was trying to protect her, which like, fuck you, Juniper. Like, what a shitty. Is she mad or whatever? Why the fuck would you? Why would you hit her? Yeah. Why would that be your first reaction? To slap your supposed best friend across the face because natural instinct was to protect you. Whether she made the fucking drop or not, like that's her natural instinct was to protect you. I want you to know right now that I think that my natural instinct would be to protect you. So you're welcome. <laughs> I can't imagine it, but hope we never have to find out. But anyways, um, I love that Hunt was like, Juniper, she's in shock. Leave her alone. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. He's like, you. She t- yells at him. Stay out of this. Yeah, what? what? You just hit her. You just hit her. There was a huge fucking explosion. You all are standing there, blood down your faces. She literally was protecting you, you dumb slut. Okay. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So then they take her to Rune's place and Hunt cleans her wounds and Bryce is in total shock. Which is interesting. Hunt makes note that he's surprised that they have like, the healing potion stuff that they do, considering they've all made the drop in Rune's house. And I thought, I wonder if Rune kept that there for Bryce. I think he did. Yeah. I think he definitely did. Also, you skipped over the beer pong table. Oh, go ahead and fill us in on the beer pong table. Sorry. (laughs) Painted with a gigantic fey male swallowing an angel hole. So then he sees that she never got the scar on her leg healed and that the limp is not because of her heels, but because of where he just graphically fucking stapled her leg together. So he blames himself for that because he treated it like a battlefield wound when he found her with Micah that night of the attack. And then I put again, Rowan vibes with Aelin. You left out of her great line. When males are kneeling between my legs, Athalar, they're usually not grimacing. (laughs) I love that so much. And so this is like Rowan vibes with Aelin, the I totally misjudged you and I only get it now that I'm looking at your scars kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Who did this to you? Who did this to you? Where is my wife? (gasps) (laughs) Anyways. And they think that the human rebellion set off the bomb, smuggled in through new exploding liquid hidden in delivery of wine on the box where the bomb was. There was the curious rebel group symbol and also a symbol of the horn. 
or mm-hmm. allegedly what mm-hmm. they believed was a symbol of the horn. They thought it was a messed up symbol for Crescent City at first, but now they think it's and a... Now they think it's the... Horn. Ricola. Horn. The French horn. They want to go and see and talk to Briggs in the prison. The Autumn King knows Bryce is looking for the horn with Rune. Now says that she needs all day protection and slash live in protection. Of course, Rune volunteered himself and she basically tells him, fuck no. And that hunt can do it instead since he's already there. Mm-hmm. Cause she was like, does it matter who it is? And like, of course, Rune's just like begrudgingly looking at her and she's like, well, then Athelar can do it. Then Rune wants access to the library beneath the gallery, which of course, Bryce acts like what gallery, what are you talking about? And then Rune's able to get her to admit and not admit and then she says that he can if he will put Declan at her disposal. And then one of the things that I have in all caps in bold that at one point it says that Rune's shadows whispered around him. Mm-hmm. So that's chapter 26. Unless did I miss anything? Rune talks about or thinks about his visit with the Oracle just his prophecy thing was that the royal bloodline shall end with you prince and he was like thinking about how the autumn king tells him to keep an eye on that girl mm-hmm. and rune says both eyes and he says i mean it boy and rune said so do i so then uh that he said his father growl of sincerity <laughs> in his voice <laughs> you as crown prince revealed the secrets of your king to the girl and athalar i have every right to punish you for this so then Rune says, go ahead. He wanted to say, go ahead and do it. Do me a favor and take my title while you're at it. The royal bloodline ends with me anyways. That's the first time that we hear him like, I don't know, thinking about it. And I did like that interaction between him and the Autumn King. He had lied to his dad and said that the Oracle said I would be a fair and just king. And he'd just been disappointed that it wasn't better, a better prophecy. Same. What a disappointment to have a starborn prince and... Yeah. He's just fair and just. I fucking hate that for him. (laughs) Instead, what if he's the one that gets his dick lopped off and he can't regenerate it like Hunt can? Keep doing the summary. That's a theory. We have a podcast about it. All right. So then now to chapter 27. So Hunt asks why she doesn't make the drop and tells him she was waiting as she and Danica picked a time two years from now. So whenever she was 27, Hunt tells Bryce about the deal Micah offered him. And she realizes that's why he's been so pushy to get information on Danica and move forward with the case because the deal is a death for death. He offers to get her food and she accepts. And then I said, is this an early foreshadowing of being mates? Clearly. I does was... it have to be, does it have to be like, I don't know. Does it matter which one offers the food? We've only seen Farah do it and Nesta do it. So I just didn't know. Like, could Hunt do that? Or does it have to be Bryce? Well, it could be. I think it could be him. I think that's why. That's one of the main reasons why Lucian kind of stays away is because he doesn't want. He doesn't accept food that Elaine offers him. I think because he doesn't know if she knows about that. Yeah. And doesn't want to. Yeah. But then also, like, he doesn't really offer <laughs> her anything. So I know. God damn it. I love Lucy. Anyways, back to Crescent City. (laughs) So then Bryce goes to shower and then goes to bed and tells Hunt that the guest room is his. And then, of course, he noses through the drawers and then inspects the photos that are in the room. One of them is of Ember, Randall, and Bryce when she was about three years old. And then I put a three again. Hunt knows Bryce's stepfather, Randall Salago, who is a legendary war hero and sharpshooter. 
from a photo that Bryce kept in the guest room. He also looks at a photo of Bryce and Danica. This section of him describing the photo, this passage does confirm that the saying on Danica's jacket is in fact in the old language. And it's a picture of her and Bryce basically sitting almost what kind of looks like the desert and it's from the back, but then yeah, it's all in the old language as Liv would say in Latin. Yeah. Yep. And then chapter 28, uh, Hunt wakes up to the smell of a male, but it was just Srinks. And so it's like, what was Srinks doing? If he can just like pass in and out. That's the second time that he has gotten out of his cage and out of locked doors to be with Hunt. Yeah. Because he ended up on the roof one day, bit Hunt in the ass. Yep. And then left. But I also just think it's interesting that he wakes up to the smell of a male. And it's syrinx. Yeah. I think it's so funny that Hunt is the only one making comments or thoughts or whatever about how useless it is that she keeps him mm-hmm. in a crate or doing locks and stuff. And I don't know. It makes me wonder, what don't we know about this little beastie? I don't know. What do we know that Hunt knows that he doesn't know that he knows? Who's taking care of syrinx if Bryce is in Prithian and Hunt is in a dungeon? Does Ethan I thought still she, have access to the apartment? I thought she left him somewhere, she, knowing that she was... Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember. We're not there yet. Okay. Uh, but wow, great. Way to just <laughs> Sorry. make my heart stop and fall out of my butt. And then I put on here, I love how Hunt has already fallen for Syrinx. And then Hunt saw Bryce's tattoo down her back while he was creepily watching her sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then Juniper just lets herself into the apartment, which of course, like... Hunt almost got a little trigger happy, but that's okay. And then she comes bearing chocolate croissants, which like, bitch, I want a chocolate croissant. Croissant. You make me some of those with some extra chunky cowboy cookies. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to make croissants. Me neither. It's very hard, I think. And then June comes in and then notices that Hunt is just standing shirtless and whatever. So then June try, comes in and was like, I tried to get a hold of you after the attack and slapping the shit out of you because apparently Bryce has a mark on her face because of June's laying hands on her. Mm-hmm. And then June tells her that it's on the news that they believe that it was the human rebels. The Raven is wrecked and they don't know when it was going to be open and that the owner put a bounty on the head of whoever did it. June says Fury would be coming back into town for the bounty, and this pisses Bryce off. And, of course, June holds up for her, for Fury. June leaves for the rehearsal, and Hunt wants to... wait. June says, so the gorgeous angel who's making you copy right now, Hunt, like, that makes Hunt smile. It's been a long while since anyone had bothered describing him as anything but Umbra Mortis, the knife of the archangels. I thought that was cute. Hunt's like, oh, somebody thinks I'm cute. (laughs) somebody thinks I'm cute um you know he's listening right his feathers are probably so puffed up he won't be able to fit through the door (laughs) so then you know they go on about things like that so then June leaves for rehearsal and then leaves all the chocolate croissants that I just can't stop thinking about and Hunt wants to know who all has keys (laughs) and demand that he gets a key and full access to the apartment and then the enchantments to be updated to include him. And then Bryce goes on to to tell him that he's being, that he's an alpha hole and describes what an alpha hole is. 
And then Hunt basically turns and claims that he doesn't want to fuck her. And then in parentheses, I put, well, we'll see. (laughs) It is also described in this chapter that she has dusk sky nails. That is specifically the, what it dusk sky. She calls him an alpha hole or whatever. And he's, I'm not an alpha hole and all this stuff. He's, I want to make sure you don't wind up dead. And she says, stop cursing so much. You're upsetting syrinx. <laughs> he says, you have the dirtiest mouth I've ever heard, sweetheart. And I thought it was cute. Anyways, and he says, and then the, the way you act, I think you might be the alpha hole. She hissed. See, what was that you said? An assortment of snarls and growls? There you go. <laughs> I love their banter, especially at the beginning. And then whenever he just starts plugging in and calling her sweetheart. I was going to say, like, he calls her sweetheart like a smart ass for the longest time. And then when it's like genuine, she definitely makes note of it. And then he then tells her at the end that anywhere that she goes, that he goes. So then we go on to chapter 29. Rune meets, Rune meets Hunt and Bryce the library. And then I have in here in literally all caps and bolded runes, shadows murmured whenever a book, great romances of the Fae rustled as if it was calling to him. So they're nosing around in the library trying to find it because he's already been through like the Fae archives a bajillion times. We get a little Lily in there. Declan has sent over the information that they wanted coordinates and locations for Danica's daily routine. Danica was stationed at the temple two days before the horn was stolen and during the blackout. Rune finds info in his book of great romances of the Fae that Prince Peleus and his bride, Lady Helena, a three-page account is what it specifically says that this was in this book. Hmm. Another thing of threes. Peleus was a high general for a Fae queen named Thea when they entered the world during the crossing. Helena was her daughter. Queen Thea was starborn and her daughter possessed the same power. And then it's described as night haired Helena for whose golden skin poured starlight and shadows. The horn worked only for the starborn when filled with power from starlight. Rune tries to grab a book called words of the gods and Lahaba tells him, don't touch it. It might bite. I don't know. Just we get the title of a book. I just, yeah. Mm-mm. I also just love how Lahaba's just like sassing back at the books and stuff. The horn worked only for Starborn when filled with power from starlight. This claims that the Starborn magic can be channeled through the sacred objects, bringing them to life. And then I put Nesta and uh, bold. And then Rune says he's never been able to do anything like that, even with the star sword. Rune asks, why do the books move? And Lahaba says, because they're special enough. Lily Bryce warned. What's up with that? I know. I Mm. know. I also just keep continuously wondering who all of the lizards and creatures are that... The tortoise named Marlene? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Rune says he's never been able to do anything like that, even with the star sword, but it says that's why the prince of the pit had to steal Peleus' blood to make the Crystallos hunt the horn. It contained that essence. Hunt believes the horn could have been wielded by any of them, but Rune says they wouldn't be able to operate it without a starborn. And then the horn is broken, and Faye claimed it can only be prepared, prepared, repaired by light that is not light, magic that is not magic. The Fae have been declining over several thousand years, according to the Autumn King. Their ancestors could have been 
could have burned entire forests to ash with their powers with half a thought. The Autumn King hates that Rune's Starworm powers are barely a kernel of power. Also, I like that it's a kernel of power, which is very much like a kingdom of ash, like after Aelin gives up everything. Madeline texted me when she was in the middle of Akawar, maybe, and she's like, I had to Google if anyone else has picked up that Sarah says kernel a million times. I just thought it was funny. Popcorn kernel. Yeah. There's a whole section in the book about the Avalon Fae being able to shadow walk and mind reading slash speaking, but don't claim they are starborn. And then I put Reese's family. Hunt suggests they ask the Oracle about the horn, but Bryce suggests they visit the mystics and refuses to go see the Oracle. And so then Hunt decides that he's going to go visit the Oracle. So saying like him talking about the Avalon Fae, I'm surprised they don't claim they're starborn. They wish they were, Rune muttered. They're a bunch of pricks. She had a vague memory of Rune telling her the details about why exactly he felt that way. Any vague memory? Any, we don't know. We don't remember. No one remembers. I'm just like. Nobody remembers anything. Tell me more. Tell me more. (sighs) She's never going to tell us. It's just all filler. Okay. Chapter 30. Hunt takes Bryce with him to go to the barracks so he can get some of his shit. So then she goes through his phone and he only has 36 photos and all of crime scenes. <laughs> and she is just appalled by that. She's like, you've had this phone for four years and you have 36 photos, all of crime scenes. She's literally like, don't they, doesn't the 33rd have these photos? He's like, well, yeah, sometimes like <laughs> sometimes I have to take pictures. Okay. So then she snaps that first selfie of herself. Bryce gagged as she opened a photo of a severed leg on a bloody carpet. (laughs) I just Um, wanted the details. That's all. So then there are 3000 in the 33rd Legion. That's just a lot of threes for there to be 3000 in the 33rd Legion. And then she asked Hunt if he's dating anyone. And he says, no, he states that he was born a bastard. And I said, sounds like a few other uh, winged males that we know. Tells her he dated someone once, but it ended badly. Shahar, who was killed by her sister, but doesn't tell her that. We just hear that in like his inner monologue. But Bryce seemed to know who he was talking about because I'm sure that everyone and their mother's brother knows exactly who he was talking about. She asked when he made the drop and he made the drop at 28 when his mother had just died and he had to use a public anchor. Bryce asks if he regretted the rebellion and he says he doesn't know and he wouldn't say a word while in the 33rd's building. We find out that if Micah had died that night, then Hunt would have been passed to the next governor. If he doesn't have anyone listed, then the assets would be divided among the other archangels who wouldn't honor the bargain they have. And then I put also the word bargain. Mm -hmm. Like their request to see Briggs had been approved and it would take a few days to get him cleaned up and brought over, which that detail of getting him cleaned up and brought over definitely rung out where it was like, what the fuck is going on over there? Mm-hmm. That Hunt finds out that he has an appointment with the Oracle the following day. So like big day, Isaiah runs out of the elevator while Bryce and Hunt are trying to exit. And then they feel a ripple of power and everyone starts kneeling in the barracks and they have a perfect view of an archangel at the doors with Micah at her side. And then I put, Sandriel, dun, dun, dun. Then we go to chapter 31. So in chapter 31, Sandriel arrives at the barracks just as they are about to leave. Hunt 
wouldn't and couldn't kneel. He's basically just like frozen in her presence. Do you think that's significant in a way more than just like his fear? He mentions that it's literally look like looking into the face of Shahar. I think it's because he looked lost and Isaiah tried to convince him with the info that Pollux wasn't there, but he still wouldn't kneel. And I don't think it wasn't so much that he wouldn't kneel. I think it's that he almost couldn't kneel because they talked about that. It was like watching Shahar basically fight herself. So I think it has a lot to do with that. A lot of that past drama. And so Bryce being Bryce to snap Hunt out of it and take the eyes off of Hunt. She steps into her like vapid party girl facade and starts taking photos on Hunt's phone as a distraction. And then casually says, thanks for bringing me to see them, shall we? And keeps taking selfies and like loops her arm through his. Um, Hunt was shaking and she tried to get them out of there and escaped before being confronted by Micah. Micah gripped her elbow before she could get to the elevator and Micah tried to ask her out to dinner. (laughs) But she turned him down by telling him she wasn't interested. And hearing Elizabeth use her Bryce voice to tell him that she's not interested is one of my favorite things in the world. Hunt assumes that Sandriel wants to surprise everyone with her presence, but was thankful for Bryce putting on her vapid party girl facade. He takes her to the landing and tells her that they can leave from there, but would have to fly them out. So do you think probably obviously Micah at this point can link the horn to Bryce? Why else would he ask her out? An archangel asking out someone who literally the rest of the place deems like trash. Yeah. Yeah. And then also him knowing that it was her that saved him that night. I mean, you know, he know, he knows. So yeah, I think he was definitely going to try and use her as a tool Mm-hmm. Like how he allegedly uses Hunt as a tool in a deeper way than just a death for a death. Hunt tells Bryce that she, um, or that he owes her for her fast thinking, and she just basically tells him that they're even. So then he launches them off of the landing, and Bryce refuses to look down. It's a very Nesta and Cassian vibes. Mm-hmm. Very Nesta and Cassian vibes. Hunt takes in the city and the outskirts of it while they fly, asking Bryce why she wanted to live in the old square. She says she never needs to leave and it's the safest place for someone like her. And then they get back to Bryce's apartment. I mean, we get like some more descriptors of some of the areas. Five roses sparkled in a muggy haze. Towering cypresses and palms rose up. Glittering bursts of magic and mood one more oak trees, less magic frills. Asphodel meadows wasn't much to look at. We get a little bit more of descriptors about the different areas. He says, Phyro's cleaner. And she says, full of fey peacocks who sneer at half breeds. Funny. Fey peacocks. As a physical book lover, we've all found ourselves in major need of a bookmark when we've been rudely interrupted while reading. Interruptions like your job, your needy pets and family, or your spouse wanting to tell you all about a random thing that they've been doing, all while you're at a really good part. Don't they see that we're reading? And in those moments, we've all found ourselves having to grab for a receipt, a post-it note, a scrap of paper, or the absolute worst, dog-earing your page. Well, in those moments, Case Leatherworks has you covered. Their dog ear bookmark fits perfectly over the corner of your page, so you never lose your place. Their products are made with top-grain American leather in a variety of colors, 
and you have the option to customize your bookmark with your initials. Along with their bookmarks, they offer a variety of home good products that's perfect for any reading nook. Support small business by visiting caseleatherworks.com and our listeners will receive 10% off your first order by using code THEORIES at checkout. That's offer code THEORIES at caseleatherworks.com. Okay, chapter 32. So then Bryce gives Hunt a hard time for wanting to watch the Sunball game on TV. He like practically begs her to let him watch the Sunball. But he gets a phone call from Micah saying that he has work for him. He called in Justinian to watch over Bryce so he could go do the job for Micah, which is a death for a death. And then it's quoted from the book, Hunt was nothing but a shadow, a wisp of life, an instrument of death. He was nothing and no one at all. And I was like, should we look into how Aelin is described as an assassin? I don't know. It just gave me like Selena vibes where it was, he was nothing and no one at all. This is the first time we see him take a boiling hot shower. She records the game for him. If he wants to watch it, something tightened unbearably in his chest, but he didn't look back. There you go. So then chapter 33, Hunt goes to see the Oracle. The Oracle's chamber reeks of sulfur and roasted meat. Ew. Ew. I don't like that. So she is a Sphinx. They were so rare that only a few dozen walked the earth and all of them have been called to the service of the gods. No one knew how old they were, but the one Hunt goes to see is described as so beautiful that Hunt forgot to do what to do with his body. So weird. Talking about the Oracle's black chamber reeked of sulfur and roasted meat, the former from the natural gases rising from the hole in the center of the space, the latter from the pile of bull bones currently smoldering atop the altar against a far wall and offering to Ogenis, keeper of mysteries. We said we talked about Ogenis recently. It just. Yeah, she's the. Um, uh, like water god or water goddess. Um. And then it goes on to say the golden lioness's body had a had golden wings that had seemed as though they were crafted from molten metal and she had a flawless face, but no one knew her name. So then Hunt went and asked her why someone wants Luna's horn, not who had Luna's horn, just why someone wanted it. She says it's so that they can open the doorway between the worlds. And then I put crossover foreshadowing specifically now that we know, but specifically to open the Northern Rift, Northern Rift, huh? Huh? Um, that it's purpose wasn't just to close doors, but to open them. She says that the horn can be healed and repaired and says that it is veiled and she cannot see it, that no one can see it. The Oracle calls Hunt the Lord of Lightning and then refers to him as his real name, Orion. She asks if he wants to know what she sees for him, um, that her lips are curled into a cruel smile that does not belong to this world. But he says no. (laughs) He's like, thanks, but no thanks. He also says no to finding out what she had told Bryce during her visit, which I thought was so weird that she was willingly Does that not go against HIPAA. It, I mean, come r- on. I mean, is <laughs> is nothing sacred? Like, mm-hmm. is nothing sacred? But I just thought it was so weird that she was willing to especially, offer that up, especially because Hunt literally asks her if everything he says in there is confidential. Yeah. Once the gods speak, I become the conduit through which their words pass. She doesn't really answer when. Yeah. But yes, this shall be confidential. I guess she does. Yeah. So she's a liar. It sounded like a whole bunch of bullshit, but he blew out of breath. (laughs) (laughs) Which clearly it is. She's like, she's over here like the fucking surreal where she's like, hey, you want to spill some tea? Let's spill some tea. 
But she does go on to tell him, you remind me of that which was lost long ago. I had not realized it might ever appear again. And then tells him upon dismissal, do yourself a favor, Orion Athalar, keep well away from Bryce Quinlan. And then he skedaddles. (laughs) He says, I'm out. Okay, so then chapter 34 Hunt tells Bryce how the horn can be repaired and that it can be used to reopen the Northern Rift. Bryce believes that the humans were trying to open the portal to hell with the horn and bring the demon princes back for an alliance to overthrow the Asteri. However, the human rebels would need help from a veneer to summon a demon, or maybe the witches could even be involved. Rune highly doubts that the witches are involved, given their relationship with the Asteri, but agrees to secretly consult medwitches to see if their powers could heal objects like people. So then Hunt asks Bryce why the Oracle warned him to stay away from her. And so then she explains, she doesn't, she doesn't really answer him because I don't, she doesn't really know, but she does explain the custom of them going to see the Oracle. She tells him the Fae have a custom when girls get their first cycle or when they turn 13, they go to the Oracle and then boys definitely go at 13. Um, Her period started just shy of 13 And Ember thought that she had shut her off from that part of her heritage. And so she sent a letter to her real father. Two weeks later, she was declared a full civitas, but with the catch that she had to claim sky and breath as her house. Even at 13, that pissed Bryce off. (laughs) So the angels and Faye are in the same house. Why do they hate each other so much? Ring, ring. Sarah, you there? Hello, Sarah. I don't fucking know. God, you asked me these questions. So then she went to see and meet her father and then met Rune. She kept up the lie, hiding the Autumn King as her father. Everything was going well until her Oracle visit. When she looked into the smoke for Bryce, she tried to claw her eyes out and went blind for a week. And then I put, was this because she was blinded by Bryce's light? Maybe it's not necessarily like what she saw, but the light and what she couldn't see. No? Okay. What blinds an orb? Basically, her father called her a worthless disgrace and left out the back entrance so no one would know who he was in relationship to her. And then he left her bags on the curb at that day. So then while they're digging around looking, um, they find an image of the Crystallis on a vase that dated back 15,000 years. Fucking 15,000 years, man. It was originally from Parthos, so the Crystallis was roaring as a sword was being driven through its head by a male warrior. Hunt thinks it can be killed the old-fashioned way with a sword, but Bryce isn't buying that some ancient warrior killed it with just a sword through the head. She calls it like an artist interpretation. Hunt believes it is a myth about the ancient library in Parthos and a pre-existing human civilization. 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 And then I put Terrison, Valaris, mainly like Throne of Glass. But I'm just like, hello, Sarah? Hunt tells Bryce that they'll be meeting Philip Briggs in an hour. And she tells him to get out (laughs) because he was pushing her. And then she's hit with more realization that her friends are gone. Because he was just really trying to ask her more about that night because of everything with the Crystallos. And it just really breaks my heart whenever she has those like moments where she realizes that everything and everyone she cared about is pretty much gone or just fucking ignoring her. 
Fury yeah. won't answer her calls. June just shows up whenever she fucking wants to. Lahaba tells Bryce that she can be as cold as a reaper after she tries to convince her that Hunt and Rune are nice and care about her. She calls him Athy. Is that the first time she calls him I think Athy? that might be the first time she calls him Athy. Oh, Athy. So then chapter 35. Hunt and Bryce are at the Comitium to see Philip Briggs. So Bryce starts thinking about everyone's first light from the drop and what her first light would go towards whenever she makes the drop. We find out that it is the 12th of April in 15,035. Philip Briggs is a shell of himself and claims that he wasn't behind the bombing at the White Raven. He says that they take him apart like a cadaver and then stitch him up again with medwitches, smoothing everything away. And then I have in all caps in bold, like fucking Maeve and Aelin. That is exactly what she does to torture Aelin for three months. <laughs> and Philip Briggs has been enduring that for two years. He's, yeah, he can't believe it's only been two years. Yeah. Briggs says that, while they're asking questions, Briggs says that he liked Danica and met with her twice before she arrested him. I just like her. He's like, yeah, just we met a couple of times. <laughs> the first time she warned him to stop or she'd bring him in. The second time she told him she had enough evidence that... She had enough evidence to bring him in, but he could get off easy if he admitted to the plotting. And then the third time she showed up with the pack of devils and took him in. He even claimed that she was a rebel sympathizer and that she was an asset to the rebels. I just like, he says, I liked her. Even when she busted me, I liked her. Yeah. I know. Thing to say. It's so weird. All of it just pisses Bryce off. Just has her basically seething. Briggs then mentions Connor and Bryce stiffens at that because he was like, yeah, her second. And he questions their relationship. He wants to know, kind of prods at Bryce about her and Connor together. And then Bryce just completely shuts down the conversation. He refused to rat out Danica because he saw her as a possible ally to their cause. Bryce was just done with this conversation at this point and just started to leave when Briggs asked if anyone died in the bombing, Bryce said, quote, not a single one. And Hunt noted that she said it like a queen. Nice. Yeah. Briggs tries to have a conversation with Hunt because Bryce is already like out the door. Briggs tries to have a conversation with Hunt about him also serving as a rebellion and calls him brother and tries to make a connection with Hunt. Then Hunt sees the possibility of how blinded he was by Shahar and the rebellion that maybe he was no different than this man sitting in this room. He really started to come with terms with the fact that he was blinded by Shahar and the whole like rebel cause. After Mount Hermon, they spent seven years to torturing Hunt in the Asteri dungeons. Then his first owner, Archangel Ramuel, continued it for two more years. When Ramuel decided he'd be better suited as an assassin, it had been nine years since Hunt had seen sunlight. It goes on. It's like seeing the sunlight felt the rain. Like there's other descriptors, but Bryce tells Hunt that she sees him. Um, She's taken his hand and she doesn't let him. She doesn't let go and doesn't let him remove his hand. And she tells him that he is nothing like Briggs and that she sees him, which is the same language that Reese and Fairy use and Aelin and Rowan use and as like a sign that they're mates. 
Hunt wants to try, and basically, I'm just like really making sure that we push for the whole mate thing, especially for you. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm doing it for you. Hunt's want, Hunt wants to try and get footage from the camera outside the temple from the night the horn was taken. I love the line in this chapter where she, it's like internal monologue essentially, but Bryce is like talking about Hunt fucking Athwar was sitting on her couch in casual clothes, sunball hat on backward, watching TV and drinking a beer. The shadow of death, everyone. I just love that line. I don't know. Shadow of death, everyone. Chapter 36, verse one. They go to meet Rune and his friends, Flint and Declan, at the shooting range. They want Declan to do more hacking work for them. They want him to scour the footage to see if he can see anything despite the blackout and not tell the Autumn King about it for a few days. Which then I like how Rune's like, so you want me to lie to my king? And she's like, no, I just don't want you to tell him anything about it for a few <laughs> days. So he's like, so he's, a, he's you know, basically a suspect. She's like, I just don't want you to fucking tell him. Shut up. <laughs> don't fucking rat it out. And then I just love this scene because Bryce shows off her sharp shooting skills and she outshoots all the boys. She lands three shots through the same hole to which Hunt sends one bullet through it too, which like, I just, I really like that he's not like, okay, now I have to do three shots, also three, but that he just also shows her that like, we're on the same level. I can see what a badass you are. And Hunt doesn't run from her skills and he conveys through his expression that he sees her all of her. And then I have on here very much mate language, very much. Mm -hmm. And then hunt gets a call from Isaiah that there's been another murder. (laughs) Just the way you say that was like the office episode where they're playing murder, the murder in Savannah. (laughs) There's been another murder. Murder. Also, I think I just listened to so much true crime. that it's like, well, just another murder. Great. Here we go. So the victim is a guard from the temple that was on duty the night the horn was stolen. All deaths took place close to ley lines. So the person doing it could be using them to get the strength to summon the demon. Declan tries to tell Bryce that Hunt is no good and that he doesn't give a shit about her or anyone but himself. Bryce is just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Because I think that she definitely connects with that because... She feels like everybody hates her for what happened with Danica. And so for Declan to try and just tell her how she should, what she should do and who she should be around. Obviously she's not going to listen to that. Hunt asks if Bryce and Tristan Flynn ever hooked up because he flirts with her all the time. And she counters by asking if he wants to tell her about all of his hooks, hookups. Um, But he says none of them are worth mentioning as Shahar ruined him for anyone else, which like, I just hate that is like a continuous thought for him that like Shahar ruined him or it's like, I hated when he told her that. uh, Yeah. It's like, and then um, we find out that he grew up in a territory Southeast of Pangera. And then he fell in love with her as he worked his way up her ranks. Bryce says she and Flynn never hooked up when she visited Rune as a teen. She flirted with them. She thought she and Flynn would marry one day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just writing Mrs. Flynn in her notebooks and shit. Oh, and oh, she. I do have a, sorry. I do have a place highlighted whenever they go to the crime scene. She gets like sick to her stomach or whatever. And she's like thinking maybe this was a bad idea to come. 
And says she leaned slightly into Hunt's touch and then his Mm. fingers dug into her back in silent reassurance before he murmured, I can look for us. And it's it's like us, like they're a unit fighting against this fucking mess of a world. I just thought it was cute. It's like the first time that they're like. so sweet. Mm. I like how you're over here like, look at, listen to this really cute stuff. And I'm over here like. Well, I have, I'm I'm just looking through my highlights. And then she leans into the shadow of his wing a few pages later and she could have sworn he folded it more closely around her. Love that. Love it. She does tell him about her worst hookup that she dated a vampire for three weeks. Her only run in with the House of Flame and Shadow and ended it after he wanted to try eating while eating. (laughs) Hate it. She asks if he still has a thing for Shahar. He says he will until the day he dies. Ugh, I hate it. Ugh. Yeah, I hate that. Can't move on from loving her when she gave up everything for him and the cause. Oh, God. She didn't give it all up for you. I'm almost positive that she used you. Anyways, and then Declan calls and says that he found something in the footage. Someone swapped out footage of the temple during the time the horn was stolen. Because he basically is saying that, like, the video was out, but the audio wasn't. And then the person who headed up the investigation of the video of that footage specifically was Sabine. Then we go on to part three, the Canyon. So then chapter 38, then they're definitely like Sabine did it. That bitch. Like (laughs) pretty much exact. That's verbatim. Hunt calls Isaiah for the notes in the interrogation room the night that Danica died, specifically of Sabine and what she said about Danica. And then it says Danica couldn't stay out of trouble. She could never keep her mouth. She could never keep her mouth shut and know when to be quiet around her enemies. And then look what came of her. That stupid little bitch in there is still breathing and Danica is not. Danica should have known better. Hunt then asked Sabine what Danica should have known better about, to which Sabine replied, all of it, starting with that slut of a roommate. And then I have on here, Hunt's thoughts get real dirty. (laughs) Meow. And so he's got to refocus his attention. Don't forget that Sabine hates Micah's guts beyond silencing the victims. The killings now could also be to undermine him. You saw how tied up he is about getting this solved before the summit. Murders like th- murders like these caused by an unknown demon when Sandriel is here. It'll make a mockery out of him. Maximus Territon was high profile enough to create a political headache for Micah. Territon's death might have been might have just been to fuck with Micah's standing. For fuck's sake, she and Sandriel might even be in on it together, hoping to weaken him in the Asteri's eyes. So they appoint Sandriel to Valbara instead. She could easily make Sabine the prime of all Valbaran shifters, not just the wolves. I'm so confused by like who has the power to do what. Because Sandriel is. I know, but then I'm just thinking like in general, not necessarily just that, but like oh. Micah's little monologue about how someone could position themselves as an hysteria in possession of the horn and, and they wouldn't even question it. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I know. I know. That's what happens whenever everybody just comes over in the crossing and they all have their own goddamn roles. And then Bryce, it says Bryce's face blanched. No such title existed, but it was within the governor's right to create it. Sabine isn't that type. She's power hungry, but not on that scale. She thinks petty is petty. You heard her bitching about Danica's missing sword. Bryce idly braided her long hair. We shouldn't waste our breath, breath guessing her motives. It could be anything. 
And it says, you're right. We've got a damn good reason for thinking she killed Danica, but nothing solid enough to explain these murders. Catching her with a demon would prove her involvement. And then it was, you think Victoria can find the footage we requested. And then I hope so. He said, hunt mold over it. Sabine, fuck if it was her. They're just really trying to decide if Sabine would really do something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it, given the evidence, it's an easy out, but obviously it's much more twisted than all of that. Um, Chapter 39, Rune goes to see the Medwitch to ask about the case and if she could think of any way a magical object might be fixed that people haven't tried yet. And then he goes and like talks about the witches a little bit because we don't have witches in Akatar, but then we have, we have healers and priestesses, but we don't have witches. Not Nesta calls herself a witch, but But we don't have any storyline with witches. Throne of glass. Obviously. Yes. yes. But Akatar, we don't see, uh, we see magic with like healers and stuff, but we don't see witches. And I also like that the witches in Crescent City literally ride on brooms. It cracks me up. Anyways, so it is, they were a strange, unique group, the witches. Though they looked like humans, their considerable magic and long lives marked them as a veneer. Their power mostly passed through the female line. Just us and all like the Archeron sister shit. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of them were deemed civitas. The power was inherited from some ancient source that the witches claimed was a three-faced goddess. But witches did pop up in non-magical families every now and then. <clears throat> Elite. <clears throat> Their gifts were varied from seers to warriors to potion makers. But healers were the most visible in Crescent City. Their schooling was thorough and long enough that the young witch before him was unusual. She had to be skilled to be already working in a clinic when she couldn't have been a day over 30. Um, she claims that her knowledge of healing is rooted in the old way, but the horn could possibly be fixed with new technology. Um, he asks if the new witch queen would know and finds out that Hypaxia will not be seeing anyone during her mourning period for her mother until the announcement of her taking over at the summit. Rune is relieved that he doesn't have to face the witch he is deemed to marry just yet. And then we find out at the end of the chapter that Rune has never actually gotten the name of the witch during their entire discussion. He sits there and talks to her and then it's just, Oh yeah, nothing. He like asks her about her accent and she says, my tutors were from an old part of Pelium by the Reagan sea. It rubbed off on me, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but we might find out in the future. You can't see shit on the Crescent city map. What about Akatar? <laughs> Get that Akasif. Probably not. Because nothing would be named the same. Look at that extensive map in there. That's not in Crescent City. It's on purpose. I know, but it's it pisses me off. Same damn place. It's all filler. It's all trickery. Yeah, I don't see anything. Okay, I don't know. Okay. Then we're in chapter forty, and it's Victoria finds something on the city cameras in the power grid. It was captured a grainy image of the demon, basically like of its foot. <laughs> Regalius is a foot. The demon didn't attack anyone, but circled Sabine's territory. The last place it was the Rose Gate. There one minute and then gone the next. And that's all that we really get from chapter 40. Then chapter 41, they go to the Rose Gate and they realize the demon might not be using the ley lines, but instead using the sewers. Sounds very throne of glass. Like 
whenever the rebels literally are meeting up and then going through the sewers. Hunt finds a box of toy unicorns. This is whenever it's the whole Jelly Jubilee thing. So we we hear all about Jelly Jubilee and Bryce's love and how she collects. Um, And I just think it's just funny that they're like, okay, we got to go shower all this sewer off. And then Bryce... He takes a picture of her looking like a drowned rat. Yeah. <laughs> I also just love that they've started the like back and forth like picture thing. Mm-hmm. And I also love the fact that Hunt was nosing in that closet up there because he saw sparkly purple and thought that it was a sex toy. <laughs> so love that. Love Maybe he knows it. News. He knows it. Anyways, moving on. Chapter 42. They go to check out the East Coast River. We find out that only one glass sub travels to and from the Blue Court, the underwater city, every day, and it's invite only. That river queen is fuck all y'all. You got to get a special invite. If you don't get an otter, you ain't getting shit. The Americans shift into full, fully human bodies for short periods. But if they go too long, then the shift would be permanent. And Bryce talks about how someone at Crescent City University had a tub put in their room. And then it basically just turned into like a party floor. And then I said, this is where we learned that Bryce and Danica had dressed as trash cans for the Automal Equinox, yes. a.k.a. Halloween. Yeah. So then we talk. So then we meet and then talk to Therian Kitos, an old friend of Hunt's and Amer. He is the captain of the intelligence for the River Queen. He tries to act like he's a lowly peon to Bryce. And Hunt's like, no, listen, he's actually the captain of intelligence. Don't fucking tell him anything. Like, <laughs> And then it says, the mayor's smile deepened. Careful, Bryce. I might decide I like you and bring you beneath. Hunt gave Therian a warning look. Some of the darker mare had done just that long ago, carried human brides down to their undersea courts and kept them there, trapped within the massive air bubbles that contained parts of their palaces and cities, unable to reach the surface. And then I have on here, I put this is very like Holly Black-esque and the Cruel Prince story where like Jude gets taken to the bottom and is basically held captive at like the bottom of the sea and shit. And Cardin has to come and rescue her. They call them like fair folk. So that is some of the like fair folk lore. And then we get a little bit more with Therian. Therian gestured lazily with a claw tipped webbed hand. I just always, whenever I, even though I know like whenever he's in his like mermaid form, he's not in his human form. I just imagine that he has regular fucking hands. Yeah. Me but too. And then the markings on the mirror were varied and vibrant, different coloring, stripes or specks or solids, their tails long finned or short or wispy. Their magic mostly involved the element in which they lived, though some could summon Tempest. The what river, does that mean? Um, so Tempest, yeah, I thought I, a I, violent windy storm. Oh, okay. So basically they can, a storm over the sea. Mm hmm. Which, now that you bring that up, like, it was, like, pirate lore that if they were going head-on into a storm, that they were, they would blame the sirens for doing mm. that. Because that was a way of them to try and... Because they would also say that the high winds would be able to pull in the siren song, and then it would be able to drive like, the whole ship crazy, and then they'd all have to jump ship, and then the sirens would take them under and drown them and kill them. Nice. 
Um, the River Queen. So we find out a little bit about her. So she's part mare, part river spirit, and could summon far worse than a tempest. Um, possibly wash away all of Nathian if provoked. Is she the Midgard Serpent? <laughs> I don't know. She was the daughter of Oginius, according to legend, born from the mighty river that encircles the world. Sounds a whole lot like a snake that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and sister to the Ocean Queen, the reclusive ruler of the five great seas of Midgard. There was a 50-50 chance the goddess thing was true of the River Queen, Hunt supposed, but regardless, the residents of this city did their best not to piss her off. Even Micah maintained a healthy, respectful relationship with her. And then this is whenever an otter messenger is seen and Bryce shows her delight and literally like squeals. And Therian says, do you think the reapers fall to pieces over them too? And Bryce says, I bet even the underking himself squeals when he sees them. So the fearless fuzzy messengers were hard to resist even for Hunt, which I just love that Hunt is a big softy mm-hmm. for all the little fuzzies. While true animals and not shifters, they possessed an uncanny level of intelligence thanks to the old magic in their veins. And also truly otters are actually very smart and mean. Oh yeah. They're very fucking mean. They found their place in the city by relaying tech free communication between those who lived in the three realms that made up Crescent city. The mare in the river, the reapers in the bone quarter, and the residents of the Lunathian proper. Therian laughed at the naked delight in Bryce's face. And then, do you think the reapers fall to pieces <laughs> over them too? And I bet even the underking himself squeals when he sees them, Bryce said. They were part of why I wanted to move here in the first place. Hunt lifted a brow. Really? I saw them when I was a kid, and I thought they were the most magical thing I'd ever seen. She beamed, and I still do. <laughs> With their little tiny vests. So cute. Therian agrees to ask around for them. Hunt met him when Therian's sister was murdered and he was assigned to help investigate. And Micah had traded three deaths for this assignment. Three. And then they are back at the library and looking more into Sabine. And then through love, all is possible was all the Oracle told Danica. And did she say it in the old language? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Hunt picked... Hunt picked up the jacket and read through love all is possible. Bryce nodded. The tattoo on my back says the same thing and some fancy alphabet that she dug up online. Mm-hmm. But Danica had a thing about that phrase. It was all the Oracle told her apparently, which makes no sense because Danica was one of the least lovey dovey people I've ever met. But Bryce toyed with the amulet around her neck, zipping it along the chain. Something about it resonated with her. So after she died, I kept the jacket and started wearing it. Hunt tells her that the sunball hat that Bryce gave him a hard time about was the first thing that he bought with his first paycheck from Micah. And it was something so ordinary because he was connecting with like how she kept Danica's jacket. And he said, but he says, you have no idea how different Lunathian is from the eternal city from anything in Pangera. So then chapter 43, Bryce and Hunt go to the wolves den in Moonwood. And like this scene, so reading it was one thing, but hearing it, an audio was it made it it just made it such a harder chapter it's painful it's so painful so Bryce and Hunt go to the wolf's den in Moonwood so they can ask Sabine questions and talk to the prime so then an onyx rose with three claw marks slashed through its petals were on the sentry's necks marking them as members of the black rose wolf pack my god that's like Aelin's 37 last names the Black Rose Wolf Pack. Jeez. So then 
Amelie Ravenscroft is the leader of the Black Rose Pack. And then basically they just say that the Black Rose Pack doesn't hold a candle to the Pack of Devils. We find out that the House of Earth and Blood and Sky and Breath are rivals. True rivals. And Bryce was clearly having a very hard time being in the wolf's den. Bryce is literally treated terrible by everyone, including Connor's brother, Ethan. We find out that everyone saw the leaked messages, Connor spilling his heart to her and her accepting a date, then fucking a random person in the club. And then we find out that Ethan dropped out of CCU and no longer played Sunball after Connor's death. They literally put those fucking messages on the front page of the goddamn paper. It's like horrible. We find out that the prime is taking a nap. And then I put my sleep theory. Like, why is that man always asleep? And what mm-hmm. is he seeing? Yeah. So then they go to speak with Sabine. She lies about Danica being at the temple the night of the blackout. And they try to take that as proof that she's guilty. Obviously, Ethan is just a fuck to Bryce, but she tells Ethan that it's happening again and that he needed to warn the pack. And then before they actually leave, Ethan tells her that she never deserved Connor and that Sabine wants her dead where Bryce literally looks at him and is just like, likewise, I fucking want Sabine dead too. Mm-hmm. And then she told Ethan that Connor would be ashamed of him for allowing the pack to be this way. And then of course Ethan gets shitty back, but then they leave. It was just so hard because obviously the rest of them she couldn't give a shit about, but everything with Ethan just kills her. And it, ugh. Listen, if you haven't heard Elizabeth read that scene, ugh, it hurts so bad. Bryce's like sad voice is horrible. It's so bad. I was gonna say like you could tell who she cares about or whose opinion she values, but I don't even know if it's really that. Rune hurt her and she fights him on it. Like she's like, fuck you. But Ethan hurt her and she just lets him. I think yeah. probably the guilt because of his brother or whatever, but it's just, I don't know, complex characters. I love to see it. Yeah. And then also just the fact that nobody really liked her anyways, because she's yeah. a half breed. So then them believing that, and I don't have it in my notes, but Amelie basically saying that if you hadn't been, texting Danica about fucking this line shifter in the bathroom, then maybe she would have been able to pay attention and hear whoever broke in and killed her. She tried to drive home that guilt of it's your fucking fault that they're all dead. And you should be like, you should have been dead. And so that it just kills me where it's, Oh my God, no, that's not anyways. So then chapter 44 Bryce wants Hunt to just arrest Sabine. She's like, just fucking arrest her already. God. And then Hunt says she's the unofficial head of Moonwood and basically the prime of the wolves. And if not in title, then in every other way, we have to be careful how we approach this because the fallout could be catastrophic. So then Hunt wants to know what her beef was with Amelie. And Bryce says that Amelie had a thing for Connor since they were kids. And when the messages from the night ended up in the paper, she saw why he hadn't returned her feelings. She finally saw that like, Oh my God, she, he's fucking in love with Bryce. Um, Hunt doesn't understand why those feelings are still so strong and why they hate Bryce so much after two years. And so she says, just look me up online. Athelar. I had to shut down every account I had. The thought made her stomach churn, nauseating panic, tightening every muscle and vein in her body. She'd gotten better about managing it, that feeling, but not by much. People hate me, literally hate me. 
Some of the wolf packs even wrote a song and put it online. They called it, I just hooked up with someone in the bathroom. Don't tell Connor. They sing it whenever they see me. She She sometimes wondered what it would, what they'd say if they knew about the time two winters ago when someone had sent a thousand printed out lyric sheets of the song to her new apartment, along with mock album artwork taken from the photos she'd snapped that night. If they knew she had gone up to that roof to burn them all, but instead wound up staring over the ledge. This part just kills me. I actually cried. Like She wondered what would have happened if Juniper, on a whim, hadn't just called to check in that night. Right as Bryce had braced her hands on the rail, only that friendly voice on the other end of the line kept Bryce from walking right off the roof. Juniper had kept Bryce on the phone, babbling about nothing, right until her cab had pulled up in front of the apartment. Juniper refused to hang up until she was on the roof with Bryce, laughing it off. She'd only know where to find her because Bryce had mumbled something about sitting here. And perhaps she'd rushed over because of how hollow Bryce's voice had been when she'd said it. Juniper had stayed to burn the copies of the song, then gone downstairs to the apartment where they'd watch TV in bed until they fell asleep. Bryce had risen at one point to turn off the TV and use the bathroom. When she'd come back, Juniper had been awake waiting. And then it says her friend didn't leave her side for three days. And I was like, another three-day fucking reference. (laughs) Okay, we see it. We understand that everything happens in three days. Jesus rose in three days. Everybody fought for three days. Anyways. So then they never spoke of it, but Bryce wondered if Juniper had told Fury about how close it had been, how hard she'd worked to keep that phone call going while she raced over without alerting Bryce, sensing that something was wrong. And so it's Juniper was well aware that Bryce was literally going off the edge. She was so close. And so it's like she cared. And I don't know. To me, I'm just like, what happened? Like, why all of a sudden is someone that's supposed to be your best friend not a top priority for you anymore? I don't know. It just kills me. Bryce tells Hunt about Randall and that he was a jerk a dragon captain in the 25th Legion. They stationed him at the front of the in- at the front for the entire three years God. <laughs> of his military service. Hunt had heard of him when he was placed on the front lines because Randall was a legend. Bryce had said that he wants her to move back home and that she had to literally go to the mat with him to win the fight about going to CCU. And Hunt's like, you physically fought him? She's like, yeah. He said, if I could pin him, then I knew enough about defense to hold my own in this city. And turns out I'd been paying more attention than I'd let him believe. And then Hunt asked if he taught how to shoot the sniper rifle. And she said, rifles, handguns, knives, swords. I just like how specific swords are. But guns were Randall's specialty. He taught her ruthlessly over and over again. And then he asked, you ever use any outside of practice? And then that's whenever she hears the I love you, Bryce, close your eyes, Danica, in her head. And then she says, when I had to. Not that it had made a difference when it mattered. So then Hunt gets a text from Isaiah and has to leave and he has Justinian watch over her while he's gone. Chapter 45. So Hunt goes out for drinks with the angels and Bryce tells him that she will stay put in the apartment. Juniper calls Bryce and tries to get Bryce to go to a dance class. God, I remember in one of our episodes on a tangent about this, like you need to dance. Like fuck off. And Bryce told her that she would think about it. She's like, I reserved you a spot. It's this teacher, blah, blah, blah. Like, 
You show up one time with chocolate croissants. <laughs> you slapped her after she s- tried to just make sure that you stayed safe. Yeah. And then you're like, keep reaching out a hand. Dance class. Like, <laughs> all right, Flynn. Yeah. <laughs> you need to go to dance class. Get your hoe down. <laughs> Line dancing. Okay. <laughs> so she knows that she promised to stay in the apartment, but the realization of her only friend being too busy for her was too much. And she needed to go somewhere because Juniper's like, I need to rehearse. I can't come and spend time with you, even though you're depressed. Why don't you go dance? I dance. You should dance. Go dance. Danica would be upset that you gave up dance. Don't guilt her, you bitch. Anyways, sorry. Sorry, back to the summary. (laughs) Clearly, I have a lot of deep feelings about it. Victoria was in charge of Bryce, and the minute that she left the apartment, Victoria called Hunt to tell him. He's like, it's been a goddamn hour. That, That pisses me off. She goes to the garden at Five Roses. Hunt joins her in the garden, and... She keeps waiting for him to yell at her for leaving the apartment. And then it says she continued past beds of night crocusis crocusis. I don't know. They're purple petals shimmering amid the vibrant moss. I don't know. Night flowers done. (laughs) The garden seemed to awaken for her. Welcome her. Of course it did. Of course it did. And then I put on here, that sexual tension is so thick you could cut it with a knife. (laughs) And that hunt didn't even notice the rustle in the bushes. Why are you talking like this? Because it was so thick you could cut it with a knife. I do declare. (laughs) Meow. And I'm talking about the bushes in the garden, not like. No, literally nobody thought that. Oh, I did. (laughs) Um. You don't know. And then literally he is just so enamored with Bryce that he did not notice the Crystallos before it just crashes into him. So then chapter 46, the Crystallos attacked Hunt and he pushed Bryce out of the way. He, it was basically like he chose Bryce. Bryce took shots at the demon and missed. And then they stabbed the demon. They managed to kill the demon. And I was trying to compare the way that they shoved the knife through like the demon to see if it paralleled how Nesta or like when Elaine killed Highburn and stuff, but it's decapitatus. It is him. It's not really the same. Um, I mean, same, same, but different, you know, a head still got lopped off. Um, so then they managed to kill the demon. Hunt realizes that when the crystals bit him, it nullified his powers. The crystals have clear blood, grayish, near translucent hide with clawed hands and crystalline talons that were just like glinting. Bryce can't understand how the crystals would be able to down the entire pack of devils because even though it nullified Hunt's powers, he was still a- able to overtake it with brute strength. Same with Micah. Like, how did it take down Micah? Yeah. So it's there. She's trying to draw conclusions for that. Micah shows up and incinerates the body before they can examine it for evidence. Says it so no one gets wind of it because they can't have bad press due to the summit and Sandra being in town. They tell Micah their suspicions about Sabine and he tells them that they need more evidence. Rune comes to the night garden after Hunt and Bryce leave. He sees the med witch that he had met with earlier 
was the one that was there. She recognized the demon from her very old tutors who required her to study ancient text. The witch says that she has to be out of town, but that there is research to be done. And when Flynn calls over to Rune, she takes the opportunity to leave and rides off on her broom. She's like, see ya. And then Flynn was asking who that was. And Rune was like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Get her name. Jesus. Chapter 47. So obviously whenever Hunt and Bryce left from chapter 46, they landed on the roof of her building and then they embrace and they are so close to kissing in the rain. Again, you could just cut the tension with a knife. And then Sabine steps out and tells them to back the fuck up. She was waiting. That slut bag was waiting. Back the fuck up while we fuck this track. (laughs) Throw your hands up. Throw your hands up. That's why we need cameras. Rolling, rolling. Is this our last one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter 48, Hunt has his gun on Sabine. Hers is on Bryce. Um... They figure out that she turned off. I know. I thought about the, the office. Spider-Man. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> both, both, <laughs> both. Uh, she had turned off all the cameras to the rooftop because he was like, I "Ain't going down for this." <laughs> <laughs> Take the he, keys. Start the car. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. That she had turned off the cameras because, like, at this point, the thirty third would have more than likely have been showing up. Bryce admits to Sabine that she thinks that she's the one that killed Danica. And then Sabine reveals that she lied to protect Danica as Danica was the one that stole the horn. Danny, why you do that? Why you do that? Why you do that? Yeah. And then of course, Sabine's on her like high and mighty horse where she's, I was protecting my daughter. So that line when Bryce, like when Elizabeth Evans reads that, we were asking those questions because you killed Danica, you fucking psycho. Yeah. She just crushes. I, she really does. I loved that. God, and to see the other day, like her recording for Flame and Shadow. I literally forget that it's just one person reading these. I know. Books. She does <laughs> such a good job. I can't wait till you hear Baxian. So yeah, so that is chapters 25 through 48 of our summary episode. We're halfway through, baby. Half way through um and we are right on track to be landing this right before flame and shadow comes out we're hoping that this helps if there's any lines or anything that you know from chapters that we maybe missed or didn't talk about please let us know because we can always talk about them in our regular theories episodes but once again thanks for sticking around for two episodes in one day So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Accord of Theories. You can email us at theories at gmail.com. You can slide into our DMs. You can follow us on our Patreon to pay your spring tithe to become a patron. And you can get some exclusive content and some fun goodies. Otherwise, thanks again. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.